All right, will you take a moment and join me in prayer as we turn our attention now to God's Word. Father God, we thank you so much for your truth. Lord, we thank you so much for the privilege that it is to be a part of your family. Lord, particularly to be a part of what you are doing here at First Baptist Church and in the community of Seymour, Indiana. Lord, we are grateful for the way that you have worked and moved and led and guided in hearts and minds of men and women to come and join with us. Lord, we thank you for the ways that you'll continue to do that. Lord, we thank you for bringing our pastoral team together. We thank you for bringing Mike and Monica here safely to be a part of what we're doing. God, we pray as we now begin to focus over the next few weeks on our mission our mission statement, who we are as a church, what we are trying to accomplish. God, I pray that you would open our hearts and minds, that you would enlighten us, Lord, that you would encourage us, that you would engage us and empower us to do what you've called us to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you read my column in the, the newsletter bulletin thing, the messenger, uh, you, you noticed that I, I actually talked about the significance of our, our statement. Now, there, there's a lot of different ways that, that we can, can refer to those, that statement. I know that we've called it a vision statement for a while, and, and that, that was appropriate, but I am, I'm going to change our semantics right now, and I'm going to let you know how I'm going to refer to it, because I know we've got purpose statements, mission statements, uh, vision statements, etc., etc., etc. Our vision is that First Baptist Church would be a home for your faith. That is our vision, that we're, we're a place that would bring people in to engage them, encourage them, empower them, and then send them into the community to live the mission that God has for them. That's what we want to be. That's the vision. That's, what, that's, the, that's the big picture that's out there that we want to fill in with colors. Well, how do we do that? That's where the mission comes in. That we're going to be guided by prayer, committed by faith, empowered by God's Spirit, working together to share Jesus Christ. That's how we're going to do what we're going to do to become that home for your faith. And if we're going to put this, if we're going to every time we put out a communication for the church, if every time we put out that, that that's the one piece of communication that every guest that comes into our doors is going to get, more or less. People come, and when they're just coming in through the doors of the church just to, to ask, for, for help, to ask for prayer, to see what's going on here. The one thing that they grab, it's not our nice, neatly like made postcards, but even that has this on it. They want, they want the messenger, and right there in the upper right-hand corner, it says those words. Guided by prayer, committed by faith, empowered by His Spirit, working together to share Jesus Christ. How, how many of you know that that's there? How many of you actually cognitively notice that when you pick up a messenger and reflect on what that means? I'm guessing that most of us do not. But this is a fairly central statement to who we are as a church, to what we're trying to do. And, and I'll be honest, it's a very well done statement. I, I like it. But if, if we're going to say that this is what we're about, then we better know that. And we better understand where that comes from biblically so that we understand that what we're pursuing is actually biblical truth and not just our own personal preference or standards. 
The first, so, so for the next six weeks, I believe it is, we're going to talk about these, these four different statements. These four different statements. Some of them will get a little bit more attention than others. For, for prayer, for instance, we're going to have two weeks that we're going to talk about prayer. Um, I don't remember how many weeks we're going to do for the rest, but two of them have two weeks. The rest have one, so it's about six weeks or so that we're going to be talking about our, our mission statement. We're going to go through it and hopefully better understand who it is that, that God has called us to, to be and how we're going to, to live out our objectives to become this home for people's faith here in the community of Seymour, Indiana. Now, there, there's every family has, every Christian family, I'll say, has a, a, a certain hierarchy, right? And in every Christian family, I, I found this almost to be true without fail, there is what I like to call the designated prayer. The designated prayer. And, and, and I'm guessing that the way that, that that comes about in a lot of families works out differently, but in most cases, I'm willing to bet that it's the person that has put their hand down the slowest. It's the, it's the one that made eye contact with whoever was asking for the prayer and didn't get their eyes down fast enough. But every family has this, this designated prayer, and y'all know what I'm talking about. They're the person that when you're at Thanksgiving and everybody's gathering around and you're waiting for the blessing to be prayed, they're like, hey, someone's got to pray. And you know that it's going to be Susie, right? Susie is going to pray because that's what Susie does. As a matter of fact, I actually went to, to dinner, I think it was uh, for Mother's Day, with a family in the church, and, and this was a weird occurrence for me, but they, they said, hey, Dr. Myers, I know you're a pastor and you're supposed to pray, but we always have this guy pray. And I was like, that's fine with me. Because the fact is, because I'm a pastor, and because I have the REV in front of my name, and because my education is all in Bible theology, it doesn't matter where I go or who the designated prayer was before I walked into the room. As soon as I walk into the room, I am the DP. I am praying. It doesn't matter. Like, if people, pastor, you know, that, that's, that's the way it goes. I remember uh, when, when I worked at North Webster United Methodist Church, we, we had a pastor there who, who that did bother him. I, that doesn't bother me, I'll tell you. If I come to your house, I am honored when people ask me to pray. I love to pray. I, I, love, I love to be the one that gets to talk to God and, and to pray in Jesus' name. I believe there's power in that, and I believe that it's an honor and a privilege. And so any time that I'm at your house... Feel free to use me as the DP. I'm good with that. Designated prayer, I'm good with that. I'm honored by that. But I had a pastor friend that I worked with that got really frustrated with the fact that every time he was at a family thing, he got asked to pray. And he told them, he said, listen, just because I have an education and a background that works in this field does not mean that I am the only one that can pray. As a matter of fact, I shouldn't be the only one that's praying. If I'm the only one that's praying, we're in big trouble. So, when I come to a family event, don't ask me to pray anymore. I won't do it. So, as you could guess, the next family event, what happened? Someone tell me. They asked him to pray. You know what he did? Dear God, thanks. Amen. Hey. We, 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 and, and you know what? Here's the thing. We laugh about that, and some of you might think in your heart, that's disrespectful. Why? Did it not accomplish the needed purpose at the time? He, he, he prayed. He, he thanked the Lord for what... He, it accomplished its purpose. And we get upset because we have this thing in prayer about prayer in our mind. And, and so many times I talk to people in the church that, that when, 
when I'm at something, they'll say, hey, if we need someone to pray, please don't ask me. I, I, don't, I don't pray. Really? No, no, I mean, I don't, I don't pray in public. Why? Well, I really, don't, I really don't know how to pray. That's interesting. You don't know how to pray. Well, it, for you and I, as, as participants at First Baptist Church here in Seymour, we better understand what prayer is, and we better be willing to do it. We, we have a big vision. Part of that vision is a home for your faith, but it's First Baptist Church for Seymour. We want to be a home for the faith of anybody in Seymour or beyond where they can come, belong, and, and be a part of what's going on here. That is a big vision. And if we're going to accomplish this vision, if it's going to be more than just us, then we better go to the Lord and ask for His guidance because it is in fact His church. It is in fact His vision. It is in fact His mission. And so we should probably want to know what it is that He wants us to do and ask Him and actually follow through with what He tells us. So we're going to talk today about what it means to be guided by prayer. And it only seems appropriate to me that when we talk about what prayer is and how it looks, that we go to the words of the one himself that that was so uh, engaged in prayer. We're going to go to the words of Jesus. So if you have a Bible, go to Matthew chapter 6, and we're going to start in verse 5. Matthew 6, starting in verse 5. Matthew 6, 5 through 8 says this. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Now, before anyone gets upset and is like, how are you going to stop before the Lord's Prayer? Because we're going to talk about that next week. So, we're going to stop with these first few verses and just talk about the, the structure that Jesus gives around prayer. Because He says some pretty important things that addresses several things that I said in the introduction. First thing that we need to understand is this, that prayer is not, prayer is not, I repeat capital letters, prayer is not a means to demonstrate our own righteousness. Prayer is not a means to demonstrate our own righteousness. That's part of the problem is that we think that there is a certain, you know, requisite level of holiness that we need in order to come to the Lord. And the crazy thing is that some of y'all jokers think that I meet that standard. I promise you, I don't. None of us do. The scripture says that there's none that's righteous, not even one. That, just in case you're not so good at math like me, not one means zero. Like, not me, not Pastor Nathan. Pastor Larry's probably comes about as close as they come, but even him. Prayer is not a means to demonstrate our own righteousness. You know, the issue, and as we read this, Jesus says that when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites. 
For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. You know, the issue that Jesus is talking about, he, he's talking about these people that would go out and, and get in this public place, and they'd want the honor of praying. I mean, in Jewish culture, prayer was a central feature, and they had certain prayers that, that had to be done, and certain prayers that were done in public, and you wanted to be that person that was, if you were really someone, if you were a teacher that was of worth, if you were really one of the holy ones, then you got to do those prayers in public, and you were wanting to do those prayers in public. Jesus even talked about others who would go to places and they would get in places where they could pray. I remember the prayer where Jesus said, you know, Lord, thank you for not making me like this hypocrite or this sinner that's next to me. Right? That's not what this is about. Prayer is not about demonstrating our own righteousness, either with our words or with the fact that we are praying. As a matter of fact, I think, I think it's the opposite is true. The more that we understand how desperately sinful and wicked we are, the more that we understand the essential nature of prayer and our need to come to the loving, compassionate, gracious Father for His guidance, His direction, and His empowering to live out the objectives that He has for our lives. It is not the righteous that pray more fervently and more often, I would argue, but the unrighteous. Jesus himself, in in Matthew 21, just a few pages over, says this as as he's driving the, the, the money changers out of the temple. It says, Jesus entered the temple courts and he drove all out who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. It is written, he said to them, my house will be called a house of prayer. So often I think we miss that. That the central feature of God's house, according to Jesus Christ, who is the head of the church, is what? Someone tell me, what is it? It's prayer. That is the central feature, that my house will be called a house of prayer. I, I, don't, I don't get that feeling sometimes. Prayer is an afterthought. Prayer is, prayer is a, formal, a formal stamp on the beginning and a stamp on the end of what we're doing. Have you ever, and maybe you have, been to a house where, or a church where other than in name, prayer is the thing that defined that church? I, I have not stepped foot in that church. And I know it's not been the central feature of any church I've ever worked in. But here we start our, our mission statement guided by prayer. First Thessalonians 5.17 tells us that we're to pray without ceasing, to pray continually, that it should be something that is continually going on inside of us, that it is something that should be happening, whether we're doing it publicly, corporately, or individually, it's something that should, should be a central feature of not just what we do as a church body, but a central feature of what happens in my own internal spirit. So prayer is not this means to demonstrate our own, own righteousness. And it's not about location of the prayer, but the intention of the heart. Because prayer is not a show that we put on for the approval of others. If if you're ever asked to pray, know that sitting down in the front row, there's no part of me that's going, oh man, their grammar and syntax was terrible. 
That prayer was so theologically incorrect. There's no part of it. I don't ever hear a deacon come up here. And I don't mean to insult anybody, but there's never been a time that a deacon comes up here and prays and I'm like, yes, he nailed it! Because it's not about me. I'm, I'm, I'm more concerned about the fact that we are praying, that we are going to the Lord, that we are thanking Him, that we are, we are seeking His favor, we are seeking His guidance. What you say is really inconsequential. As long as it's not biblically untrue, immoral, or illegal, I'm good with it. Because it's not about me. It's not about you. It's about Him. It's not about praying here, out there, or at your house, or in your car. It's about to whom you are praying. It's not a show that we put on for the approval of others. Jesus notes that there are those that want to pray in the synagogue. That they want to put on this monologue that they use to perform for others to show them how in tune they are with God and He is with us. It's not to be used as that. It's not to be used as a means to validate our position or prestige within a local church. On the street, it must not be reduced to a rote gesture to show the world how holy or pious we are. And it certainly shouldn't be a way to remind others of their sinfulness. No matter how good the show, real life will come out. You know, it's easy here. Like, we can, I, can, I can do anything for about an hour and a half. I, I can put on a pretty good show for, for a little while. I can pretend to be just about anything that you want me to be for a short period of time. So if all you got to do is pray, that one's pretty easy. Hey, and here's the truth. In the information age, you can steal a hundred different prayers that sound good online. But prayer is not the show. No matter how good the show is, real life will come out. Jesus says, when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites. Now, that's an overused word in the church. I mean, if we want to be technical, yes, each of us in some way is a hypocrite. Let's please stop throwing that word around with others. I'm not perfect, you're not perfect. You don't need to throw that in my face. I'm perfectly cognizant of that. The problem is not whether or not we, we are perfect or not perfect. It's whether or not we're willing to admit that. Whether or not we're willing to work on that. Prayer is not a means to show that we've got it all together. We've got to be real about where we are. Hypocrisy, by definition, is to claim to have moral standards or standing to which one's life does not conform. How many of y'all have ever seen the show American Idol? Anyone seen that? Oh, Lord, I hate that show. Like, you've at least seen a commercial. That, that show, like every time I see that show, there's a small part of my soul that dies. It's terrible. It, it, is, it is literally, as a musician, it is painful for me. And you watch that show, and it's always the worst, right? The show's coming back on 2018. In 2018, this is what made me think of this. The worst part of the show, for me personally, is the auditions. Because inevitably, you have those artists that they put on the TV just to make them look bad, right? They, they're singing just because... They can't sing. But they come up and they're like, well, I'm just the best singer you've ever heard. Mariah Carey, you heard of her? 
She ain't got nothing on me. You know, and they talk up the game. My grandmammy told me in church when I used to sing all the time that I was really good, and I used to sing every Sunday, and, and I was the best that we had. You had six people. The talent pool was a little shallow. And why do I know that? Because they begin, at some point, what they are saying stops, and they have to actually open up their mouth and produce. And they talk a really good game. But as soon as they start singing, so-called, it's like a cat got put in a blender. It is terrible. That, that is, okay, that, that is someone misjudging their talent. But the same thing is true. That is what hypocrisy is, is when we, as followers of Jesus as people look at ourselves and our own actions and we're like, I am this good with how I live my life. I am morally so awesome. And we can talk a good game and we might even be able to maintain it for a minute, but eventually you know what's going to happen? It's going to come off the rails and reality is going to smack you in the face. And don't think that everybody else doesn't know the truth. The truth will come out. Real life will come out. If we jump through the hoops of holiness, but fail to have a heart that matches, the truth will eventually come out. At a minimum, be sure of this, that God is not fooled by the show. God is not fooled by the show. You can fool me. You can fool the church. You can fool your family. But God sees the hearts of men and women He knows the truth. So the show that we put on by praying to God is utterly ridiculous. If our end game is for people to see us, if our end game of prayer is for people to see us and to judge us to be holy and righteous, just to look good, we can achieve that goal. Jesus says, Truly, I tell you, these people, these hypocrites that have prayed for others to see, they have received their reward in full. If your end game is to be seen and to look pious for a moment, mission accomplished. But that's all you're going to get. That's all you're going to get, which is incredibly sad. Because prayer is, is calling out to the Holy God of the universe, the creator of all things, the sustainer of all things. If all you want from God is for him to make you look good for a moment, my heart breaks for you. And you know what? My heart breaks for me sometimes. Because sometimes I forget why it is that I'm doing what I'm doing. And I just jump through the hoops. Can we just get this done? Can we just get on with the show? Can we just move this thing forward? But prayer shouldn't be about location. Prayer shouldn't be about the show. Prayer shouldn't be about just form and function. It should be about this connection with a holy and righteous God. Coming to Him because we know that we need Him. Because this is the truth. This is what prayer is. Prayer is is the key to a relationship. Prayer is the key to a relationship. And not just any relationship, 
but the relationship with that holy God that I just spoke of. Jesus says, but when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Prayer is the key to a relationship. Scripture tells us throughout that God is our Father. In John 1, 12 through 13, it tells us this. To all who did receive him, to, that's Jesus, to all who received Jesus, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of a human decision or of a husband's will, but born of God. God is our Father. We are God's children, and not by accident. We're not oops babies. We are children of God by God's own sovereign providence and choice. That he saw us, and he looked out, and he said, that one's mine. I want you. I've chosen you. I love you. John 3.16, it says that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever would believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Jesus, who is the only natural born son of God, tells us that this God that is his father is in fact our father and that he is attentive to our prayers. That he desires to have a connection with us. 1 Peter 5, 7 tells us to cast our cares on him for he cares for us. We don't call out to God to obtain standing, but because he has provided it for us. We don't call out to God so that we can look righteous, but because he is and he has provided that righteousness and the salvation for us. And we call out to him so that he will continue to work in and through us. Because he is our Father, and he loves us, and he wants to be in relationship with us. Communication, folks, is a central feature of any working relationship. When the communication stops, the relationship dies. You know, I, I want to hear from my kids. I genuinely want to know what's going on in their life. I probably already know. But I want them to talk to me. I want to know what they're excited about. I want to know what their concerns are and what they need help with. I, I want to be an active part of their lives. And them coming to me in conversation is a means of them inviting me into to be an active participant in their lives. Sure, I'm their dad. I'm bigger than them. I can enforce my will upon them. I can force my way into their lives. And the truth is, they cannot live without me, but I still want them to want me. I want them to want me to be a part of their lives. I want to hear from my kids. Jesus says, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father. The issue, once again, don't get caught up on this because this is a passage I've had people throw in my face and say, see, it's not about, it's not about a corporate thing with us and God. It's just my, my, my spirituality, my Christianity is a personal thing. It's just me. I go into my room and just me and Jesus is enough. 
Okay, there's a whole host of scriptures, and don't worry, we'll get to that. Let's put a pin in that one. We'll deal with that lie from the devil later. You were never intended to live your spiritual walk alone. We need each other. If you think that just you and Jesus are going to go do this thing by yourself, you've missed the point. Side note over. God wants to hear from us. The issue, though, is not location, but in this case, it's focus. Who is the focus of our prayer? If we're, the sh- if, if we're doing the prayer for a show, then the focus is what? It's me, right? If I'm up here, oh God, thank you for your greatness and provision, and I start spitting out all these theologically big words, and y'all are going, what the heck is he talking about? What's that about? It's about me, isn't it? It's about me showing you how smart I am. It's about you, me showing you how great I am, reminding you even, maybe, that I'm up here and you're down there. No, you're all, folks. That's not what prayer's about, though. It's not about location. It's not about me. The focus can't be on me. The focus is not on the location in which we're praying. The focus is on the God to whom we are praying. The Father. Prayer is intended to focus our hearts on the greatness and glory of God and to pursue His guiding presence in the midst of all life brings at us. Prayer is the key to a relationship. Us coming to the Lord and saying, God, we need you. We know that you are the great and holy God. Please lead us. Please empower us. Please direct. Is that not exactly what our mission statement says? Guided by prayer. It is foundational to who we are as followers of Jesus, and it is foundational to who we are and what we need to do as a church. And here's what we need to understand in this whole prayer thing. Prayer is not a one-way monologue. It is, in fact, a two-way conversation. Prayer is a two-way conversation. Prayer, I had, a, I had a, a person I very much respect who, who was a prayer warrior. All about prayer. And she once said to me, prayer is as much about listening as it is about speaking. Which is kind of true, isn't it? I mean, if a conversation is one way, was it really a conversation? It was really just me providing a directive and me explaining something. When we pray, you and I have no problem asking God for what we need, but do we really actually listen for a response? I want you to think about that. When you pray, guided by prayer, when we call out to God, asking Him for guidance and direction, asking for Him to empower us and lead us and direct us and to work in and through our lives, when you pray that, do you really respect, expect a response? You should. Do we expect God to speak to us? Do we come with anticipation and wonder that the God of the universe is not only listening to us, but that he is speaking to us? I hate, I hate my GPS. I've called her Sandra. You know, on my phone, you got his GPS and it's Siri, but I call mine Sandra. And Robin gets on me because we'll be driving down the road and Sandra will be like, get in the left lane. And I'm like, Sandra, I can't get in the left lane. There's a car there. She's like, I want you to turn right here. And I'm like, no, I don't want to turn right. I want to go up here. And you know what? I can argue with that GPS all day, but Sandra knows where I'm supposed to go. Sandra, a lot of times, has information that, that I don't even know myself. 
And here's the truth. If I know where I'm going, then why have I used the GPS in the first place? If I know what I'm supposed to do, then why am I even asking? This means that we should come to God. We should be coming to God, not just to say, God, get us from point A to point B, but guide us along the way. We can't get there. The truth is that we cannot, you and I. I just want to be clear about this. If we knew what we needed to do, we would already be doing it. But the world is changing so fast and has been that it is hard for us to keep up. Without a miraculous working and moving of God's Spirit in and through us, we will not achieve our mission for First Baptist Church in Fort Seymour, Indiana. Without a movement of God's Spirit inside of us and through us, we will not reach this world. Are we desperate for God to move? Are we desperate for Him to guide us to show us where to go, to speak to us, to lead us. We need to remember as well that more words do not mean more content. You know, my dad, my dad always says that there are certain artists that come on, and there was one that I really liked when I was a kid, and I was like, Dad, isn't that song awesome? My stepfather. And I was like, Dad, isn't this song awesome? And he said, well, that songwriter, he is an expert of saying a whole lot of words, but not really saying anything at all. Sometimes that's what happens with us. Jesus says, hey, be careful. You don't be like these pagans and keep on babbling for you think that you're going to be heard because of your many words. More words does not mean more content. God is not impressed by your grasp of the human language, the English language. I don't even care if you can do it in three languages. God doesn't care. It's not about many words. It's about the the, the intent and the content, us coming and and requesting God's movement and listening for his response. We don't need to wheel and deal with God. We don't need vast explanations. We simply need to come humbly before him and honestly communicate our need for his presence, his grace, and his intervention in our lives. Jesus says, Your Father knows what you need Before you ask him, God knows what we need. God has a plan of action. It is for us to ask and trust. God knows what we need and has a plan of action. Just ask and trust. This plays out both corporately with us as a body and individually, and both matter. Prayer is a central feature of the Christian life. At least it should be. Our walk with Christ is not some formal agreement. It is, in fact, a personal relationship. God knows who and what we are. He desires to hear from us, his children. But he also wants to respond and wants to see us act in accordance with his guidance and will. If we are to be guided by prayer, it requires for us to actually pray regularly, one, both individually and corporately, and two, it requires for us to leave space and to come with the expectation that God will in fact respond so that we might act accordingly. Guided by prayer. Will prayer be the foundation upon which this church is built through the power of the shed blood of Jesus Christ? 
in the power of his spirit. That's my hope. That we would establish and bathe everything that we do in prayer. That we would come to God not to establish our own greatness, but because of his. And that we'd come to him not to explain ourselves or to try to coerce him into doing things our way, but truly with an openness and a desire to hear him speak to us that we might move and live as he would have us live. In the name of Jesus, amen. Father God, I thank you so much for your goodness and grace in our lives. Lord, I thank you for your desire to be an active participant in our lives. Lord, I pray that we would clearly hear from you even this day, God, that we would be seeking your guidance and leading on a daily basis, that we would pray without ceasing and that we would respond when you speak to us. Lord, move and work as only you can. May we truly be guided by prayer. In Jesus' name, amen.